Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Britton Johnson is in the house down here at ARUP with me. I'm Gordon. On The Big Show, Jake is on vacation. Austin's back at the studio. And uh, Britton, we're going to be joined by David Locke coming up here momentarily. But uh, let me uh, ask you about the Salt Lake City Summer League. Tony Bradley last night. Looks to be improved, 26 points, 16 rebounds. Uh, one of the second-round picks, the Jazz had Justin Wright Foreman with 20 points. What about this summer league action? What uh, what strikes you? How meaningful is it, if meaningful at all? Well, listen, they, the, the summer league, what's great about it is that, you know, it's funny. I was in the car today, and my uh, 11-year-old daughter asked me, why, why is there a Jazz team in the summer? And I had to, like, break it down for her and explain it to her. And, um, you know, I said, they bring in 20 to 25 guys and they have to find one or two of them that can actually help the team during the regular season. And then, and it was funny because she said, well, did you go through that? And I was like, yeah. And she said, were you one of the two guys? And I said, yeah, actually I was. And it was kind of cool to tell her and explain to her how nerve wracking it was, how hard it was. Now, when I went into summer league, um, I had to go in with, uh, oh no, when I went into training camp, we had about 20, 25 guys and they needled it down. But I, I went into both my training camps, Hornets and the, and the Magic, with uh, partial guarantees. So it almost meant like they were going to put their eyes on me longer and give me a better shot. One year I made it, one year I didn't. Mm. But in the summer league, it's truly, sometimes it, they'll bring in up to 25 guys and they'll, they'll weed it down when they start the actual camp. They'll cut 10 or 12 of them. But you start out that way. And you've got to make it. And, and, and it was just kind of fun to elaborate how stressful it was. And, and at that time, I just remember everybody was playing so hard. Everybody was playing so hard and, 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 and wanting it so bad. And Hans made some great points early. You know, these are guys that have been in AAU gyms for the last eight years. Parents are sacrificing money, uh, moving them to certain places to get them on better teams. The stress of all of it just kind of came to a head. And I just remember... Uh, you had to figure out a way to block it out somehow. And I think my four years of experience of playing stressful basketball under my coach helped me a ton, oh. helped me to kind of deal and manage that situation. So it's um, if you go to some of these practices, if you could peek in, you'll see some physicality, not cheap shot play, but just everybody's in stance. Everybody's guarding hard. Everybody's sliding their feet and moving because they, <clears throat> they want it so bad. If you're lazy there – you're you're killing yourself. Do you think that's part of the reason some of the offensive play is a little bit awry because guys are playing so hard defensively? Yeah, I mean, because coaches to, are always that's going to gain anybody's attention. Yeah, you know, I, I actually think sometimes the smart craft players, you know, Luka Doncic's, uh, they they used it against players in summer league where you just give a guy a little fake, mm-hmm. and he's and he's, you know, he the, these guys are guarding you like a defensive lineman would at the two yard line. The, the end zone's right behind them, so they're going to give everything they've got, uh-huh. right? And and in the post, same way, you've got a guy giving it everything he's got. Well, then they're you know susceptible to a pump fake or to a little fake here a little fake there and and i i just remember like last year the kid for the hawks uh the second round pick i'm going blank on his own trey young thank you austin um 
he was he was awesome at getting his shot off. He didn't make a lot of shots in summer league. He wasn't started great. slow. Yeah, started slow. But I was just like, man, look at him use those fakes and use all that crafty stuff, which made him good in college against these really aggressive, almost bloodhound style uh, defenders, like mm-hmm. all over him. You know, so you just had to. I think the guys that stand out are the ones with with the ultimate amount of confidence. Obviously, the number one draft picks because they're given the green light from their their the staff. But then every once in a while you'll see a guy experienced like a Tony Bradley have a great game like he did last night just because he's so physically in shape now and better than he was in the last two or three years that it's all uh, it's working out for him. You know, maybe the analogy is that when a golfer goes to the tour school, you know, you're qualifying for the, for the, tour, the tour is yeah. more nerve-wracking than it's once it, you're it on is. it. It is. And that's what these guys are trying well, to do. Every and it shot also, you take, you're like, oh man, yeah, that air ball, that that I really felt that one. And then you're Trace, be, you're Tracy being McGrady, examined and graded. Well, Tracy McGrady could air ball five in a row, uh-huh. all as well. He's on a five year deal, you know. So it's just, it's different. You're you're you're. It's nerve wracking, but yet you're one of the bottom guys trying to make the team. In my case, I was one of the bottom guys. It, it, it tells me how it reminds me how difficult it is to make the league. You know yeah. these guys are these guys are terrific basketball players, terrific athletes who are on the edge. Yeah, but they're not quite there yet. You know, and, yeah. and it, oh how, and think about everything that goes with it—the lifestyle, the money, the—I mean, the opportunity. I mean, these guys have to have to be thinking about that a little bit now. A guy like uh, like. Uh, Tony Bradley, he's he's already experienced this before, and he's gotten some attention already. He's had things invested in him yep. as a first round pick. But the other guys, these three guys who are second round picks, uh, they they have to be experienced. Everything you just described. The other thing too, though, for Tony Bradley, I would say disadvantage is that now, and I experienced this as a six year senior because of my two year church mission, that you've had eyes on you a, a long time, and now it's like. Your your change better be significant, right? Where you're judged differently, you're you're held more accountable to how well you're going to play in that game. Because Bradley's been now what three years doing D league. Third in, year. Third the year difference between him and you is he's only 21 still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying Bradley though has three years, whereas a, a guy here for his first year, a rookie that comes in and, and plays uh, for the Jazz is going to be judged and held accountable at an extreme different rate than what Bradley will be. So Bradley does have to come in and play well. He does have to move the needle. Um, I don't feel like I've, I've seen I, – I, I felt like when I looked at his body, and Hans mentioned this, he looks a little more toned and cut up and like he's been working hard there and yeah. listening to the nutritionalists and, and strength coaches of the Jazz. But as far as, you know, moving the needle, I, I – you know, I, I let's be honest. We're not looking at Tony Bradley to come in and start for the Jazz. You're looking at Tony Bradley to come in and hold the fort down if Can something he make happens. The twelfth or thirteenth. Yeah, if or something happens slot. to Rudy and and uh, the mm-hmm. new player, the Jazz, just got Davis. So, okay, that's a good delineation. So Tony Bradley last night, twenty six and sixteen. The second-round pick, Justin Wright-Foreman, who was the second-leading scorer in the NCAA last year, he had 20 points. Do you think that – does Quinn Snyder, when he watches these guys play, uh, does he know pretty quick whether a guy has what it takes? 
or at least that he recognizes the rudiments of what they have that might be developed into something. In other words, guys who are worth hanging on to and guys who might not be worth it. I'll tell you, software nerds out there will like this analogy. What Quinn has to do immediately with these guys is figure out if they can plug and play into his system, right? Software sells guys. They, you know, when a company chooses new software, you have to figure out, you have to test it out first, plug it in, see if your company likes it, see if it, if it works out well. Um, and and so it could be you, a good but, product, but not be the right fit for yeah a, a certain for Quinn what Quinn needs. Right, Quinn needs some guys that can plug and play into his system and, and know how to get Donovan the ball, know how to get um, not know how to get him the ball, but just know how to support and, and, and come and help that cast. I mean, look, we watched O'Neill do it. We watched O'Neill coming in and um, not immediately have an effect on the Jazz, but over time, uh, you know, they, he, he started to do well. But I think that, what, to, to answer your question, I think that Quinn saw something in him that was pretty significant early. Quinn and Dennis Lindsay, and that was their mindset, their defensive mold, the way they carried themselves. Um, O'Neill, he's a unique dude. I mean, people say he's one of the strongest guards in the NBA and if you watch his demeanor on the court, he just is not afraid of anybody. It doesn't matter if he was guarding Kevin Durant or if it was um, LeBron or whoever. He he just has this sort of tough guy mentality that's not fake. It's I'll go get I'll I'll go put my head right my nose right into anybody else's chest or anybody else's nose, and I just don't care. That's that's O'Neal. That's what I love about him. And so he was the right plug and play right away. You know, but some of these other guys, I think yeah, Quinn might have a general idea of what they are, but. You need to watch them for a little bit. Hmm. So do you think the players know, they realize what you just talked about, that they have to be thinking about, okay, this is what the Jazz are looking for as opposed to just going out and balling? I think for the players and the agents probably just tell them is just go put your best foot forward and let the chips kind of fall where they will because a lot of these guys know that that to make a team that that an injury has to happen or there has to be some kind of dramatic acquisition or trade where it shifts pieces and and an opening happens because you know for the most part Quinn knows what he wants right he knows what he has right now with all the new fun acquisitions that are coming in Um, granted that is if they all right pass physicals and everything goes well these are just kind of scrap pieces and I hate to call them that, cause, but that's what I was. So no disrespect to, you know, the foremans and these guys, but they're, they're pieces that, that will come in at the end and, and kind of plug holes if, if needed. But I'm not calling them scrap pieces, though they're not important. I mean, they, these are guys that could be put on two-way contracts. They could be developed down in the Salt Lake, uh, you know, D-League team. They could be picked up that by another be, franchise. That will be invited to Jazz training camp, learn a ton there, hear Quinn's terminology, learn from Rudy, learn from Mike Conley. Man, if you're foreman, I'd spend as much time by Mike Conley's side if I pos- as I possibly could. Learn how to play some pick and roll. Learn how to play the NBA pick and roll. Learn how to, you know, and is he a, he's a one-on-one scorer, but I don't know how well he can do a lot of the other things. Brantley did not play last night. Uh, he looked good in the first game. I, it makes you wonder how quickly the Jazz pick up on guys for a two-way or, or maybe making the main roster. I don't know, but uh, both Bradley and Wright Foreman uh, played well last night. Yeah, And they were fairly Brantley did not play last night. No, he did not. Yeah, the first night you're saying. The first right. night Brantley played, uh, yeah, I, I liked uh, more uh, – the kind of the decision-making, his physicality. He's versatile. Versatile, too. you know, and, and there was a lot of things that, that happened in, in that first game that I that I liked. He hit a, he hit a nice spot up three. Um, you know, 
people are saying that he's the Jay Crowder replacement. You know, Jay, not so. Jay did a lot of things that were were uh, due to his uh, veteran years in the NBA and his his sample size or, or his experience. So, but is there a chance that a guy like Brandon? This is what I love about these second round picks. I can't remember who it was, but it was like, why do this? Why are you buying picks? Why waste money? You can swing and miss all you want in the second round. Swing and miss. That's like somebody throwing you a, a, a free pair of sneakers and saying, go try these out on the court. What do but you think? But the Jazz paid $2 million for that last But pick. if they don't work out, there's no, there's no, you know, who cares? No one's going to care. No, that's what I'm you, saying. You don't, you don't you think swing people care miss? about the $2 million that they paid another club for the pick? <laughs> Look, not compared to the money that you're paying Rudy. I understand. I mean, but what I'm saying is you swing and miss in the first round. And I'm not calling Dante Exum a miss. But, right, like, but, but think how much everybody has scrutinized the Dante Exum pick because it hasn't turned out to be what everyone envisioned a top five pick to be, right? There's a lot of pressure on that swing. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas you swing in the second round, these three guys, to me, it's great. Do it as many, you know, pick five or six guys because one of them lands and becomes a Wesley Matthews, mm-hmm. right? Or, or Royce O'Neal. Or Royce I mean, O'Neal, a second-round pick. Who Kyle Corver was a second-round pick, right? We could go down the list. Paul Millsap. One of them, Mono Joe, it turns out to be that. It's like... Why I, I thought it was awesome. To me, it made very it made complete sense to do it to, when, when, because then because if it, if it goes great, it's awesome. And these get, guys are going to be playing basketball professionally somewhere, Britain. Now it's just yep. a matter of where it's going to be yep. and how big the opportunity is. When you were talking about the pressure that comes with being the fifth overall pick in the draft, made me think of Moutier, who the Jazz just uh, are going to sign. Uh, who was a seventh overall pick yeah. and didn't really turn out to be he's played for three or four different teams and so it hasn't really worked out the way he had envisioned. And I remember when he was in the draft and there was real division amongst certain executives as to his usability at the NBA level. And uh, so guys like that, even though they, they their opportunity is secure, at least initially, unlike a second round pick, somebody like that, if you don't really come to shine at some point, you must carry that burden you're hauling around on your back probably gets heavier and heavier. Yeah. And, you know, listen, speaking of Dante, and uh, are we going to get Locke on here? Is Locke driving, like, you know, in Sardine Canyon or something? I don't know. Like, where in the world? <laughs> Why can't we? Come on, David. Where are you? We, we need your analysis. Awesome. Um, Can you give us an update on the whereabouts what's of David going on Locke? Here? Uh, his voicemail sounds cheerful. Well, all right. uh, he probably heard that I was on. That's why. Dang it. Well, you can blame me on this one. Hey, but listen, I'm actually excited for Dante for next year. Um, I'm not going to get carried away here or anything, but I think with all these shooters on the floor, Dante's ability to get to the rim um, could be significant. problem is, is when he goes to the rim, he has a strange knack for getting bumped in the air and landing awkwardly and, and getting injured a lot. It's almost Alec so Burks-like, like, like, isn't man, it? I, I'm glad to know that the lanes will be open a little bit more, I believe, for his quick step because he's got an explosive step. But at the same time... His defense is really... Is, the question isn't his ability at this point. The question is staying his durability. And his durability, yeah. yeah. And maybe they're going to teach him ways to land better or, or, or come down softer. I don't know because... Is he Alec Burks like? Yeah, he gets just sort of air. flailing through the air yes. and boom, landing. I mean, and and maybe there needs to be more floaters, or I don't know. Watch him after almost every shot; he's on the ground. Yeah, 
He is. He is. And that's, you know, like we call, it's funny. I'm not making a comparison because it's, it's, we're talking, you know, two different planets here. But my, my team that I coach, this AAU eighth grade team, we have a kinder team that's always on the floor. He's always on the floor. He's one of our best players. But we just laugh. We're like, why is that? You know, he just he gets hit a lot. He goes after contact. And, and, and you have to tip your hat to Dante for at times going right towards contact to try and dunk or do something aggressive. But, um, Man, he's just uh, he's had a lot of unfortunate luck, and hopefully his luck will turn, and this will be an exciting year for him. If he's healthy, how will the Jazz utilize him? If he stays healthy, remember his rookie year, he played well, eighty-two games. I think you, with with uh, I keep saying his last name wrong, Mounier. Moutier. Moutier. I think there'll be a healthy competition between the two of them to find out, you know, who's going to be the first off the bench as far as uh, you know the beginning of the season goes. Depends on if the Jazz are going to get Neto back. I've heard whispers of that. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But, um, you know, we saw the Jazz carry four point guards last year at times. I, I think it'll be, I think that they'll be able to use him uh, according to what he can provide. I mean, the, the, the problem is, is you have just thrown Dante out there and it's, it's, you know, not good. Then you have thrown Dante out there, like in the Rockets series two years ago, mm-hmm. and he did a great job. He slowed down James Harden a little bit, frustrated him, had a nice dunk uh, right down the middle of the key um, after a sensational dunk by Donovan Mitchell. But he, you know, he uh, he does some nice things out on the floor. So I'm not ready to give up on Dante. I just uh, think the guy needs some a string of luck. So as you look at what the Jazz have compiled here. And a terrific starting lineup, and now they're filling out the roster as far as depth goes. What is your biggest question or area of, if you were evaluating them, what's the area of concern? Well, right now, I think you have to, you have to realize uh, we we haven't seen a, a lot of, of of Davis and what he can do as far as filling Derek Favors' shoes. There was times Derek Favors won games for the Jazz when when Rudy Gobert went off the floor. Uh, and Derek, uh, with you know those vice grip hands, came up with loose balls, big rebounds. Now Davis is an incredible rebounder as well. So you know, but but again, you're you're on a different team. You're you're in a different spot on the floor at times. I mean, X's and O's uh, of the basketball game are kind of the same. But for the, but sometimes Quinn will have players in different spots, so they their rebounding could change a little. I don't believe it will. I think Davis would be a huge rebounder, but I mean that's yet to be seen right I, I'm, I'm curious to know what happens there i think as far as the physicality goes you're you're losing a ton in favors um but crowder davis pretty raw bone tough guy yeah crowder while well, he had that big strong body he seemed intimidating you know kind of that cool like warlike hairdo he wasn't necessarily the greatest rebounder do, out do of remember, position britain you and i were sitting there watching a jazz game one night and we turned to each other, and we almost said simultaneously, it would be better if Jay Crowder would go to the basket more or yeah. spend more time around the basket because yeah. of his build, because of his strength, because of some of the things he could do instead of just sitting back there and popping the threes all the time. Um, and yeah. I, I saw some similarities there, and I don't, I'm not going crazy here or anything, but I thought he might have been able to do some of the things Carl Malone could do, not at that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, He it, runs the floor like Carl. He ran the floor and finished his layups like Carl, not above the rim dunking on people, but just strong, powerful layups that, that surprised him. Like but I don't look at, I don't look at uh, what the Jazz have lost here in Derek Favors and Jay Crowder and uh, throw uh, Ricky Rubio in there. Individually, I look at, I compare that group to Bogdanovich, 
and Conley yeah. and Davis and, and and now Jeff Green, and you mix it all together, and then you see huge advantage present Jazz versus past Jazz. The problem with Crowder is Crowder liked to shoot. If you had a son that liked to drive fast, would you give him a, a fast car? Probably, or let him drive your car? Probably not, right? Quinn Snyder so wants people. You, you don't think Quinn was giving him the green light? No, no, I, I'm saying he was, and that's the problem, is that Quinn wants guys to shoot. He wants a lot of threes. I mean, listen to David, if we could get him on. He, he wants his team shooting a lot of threes. So Crowder's just going like, man, you just gave me a fast car. Oh, wait, you're telling me I can shoot a lot of threes? That's the problem. And so I, I don't know that he necessarily, that, that Quinn necessarily wanted to put handcuffs on him. I think Quinn wanted a lot of threes. That's the style he's going to, and it's sort of like it's sort of like you saying, God, the only cars I have available in the garage are fast, so I need my son to get to high school somehow, <laughs> or I can ship my son away. And that's what we had to do. We had to ship Crowder away. That could have been one of my best analogies right there, Gordon. I'm not going to lie. That one, I think did, I'm going to pin, did, that, did I'm gonna pin follow, that one somewhere. Austin, did you follow that at all? Did you think that was a good analogy? Uh, what, what, what's happening? Huh? <laughs> Austin's doing work. He's he's working back there. He's not I'm working the beat. Analogies. You know what? Um, no, but Crowder, I did wish. It was there a was fine times, analogy. There were some times I did wish Crowder put the ball on the floor more and, and used the, yeah, those big, strong fair. shoulders. But, you know, God, when he was hitting his threes, it was it was helpful. But uh, It was inconsistent. Yeah, it was inconsistent, that for way. sure. All right, uh, we'll continue to talk Utah Jazz basketball. But uh, coming up, i got to ask you about cheating. Wow. Cheating, and I told I told Hans about this yesterday off the air, and he talked about it on on Scotty and Hans today. But uh, you and I have to get to it because uh, do cheaters win? Should cheaters win? Do you think that most athletes at any level cheat in their sport or off the in, 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 in any way? I mean, well, we know athletes when you play cheat. golf, do you play with cheaters? Oh yeah, yeah. I've had a friend. I've had friends here and there, you know, do the foot wedge. I've been in like the foursomes when you're playing at a tournament. And it's mm-hmm. just like, wait a minute, guys! You just marked that score mm-hmm. a way you shouldn't. And I'm like, if you're doing the guy, it, the guy everybody dis- else is doing it. The guy it. who disappears into the trees early in the hole, and you don't see him again until oh. he's putting on the green, and you ask hey, him what he scored, and he said a four. <laughs> when you're playing with cheaters, just always know. What ball they're playing with? Well, there's maybe, a uh, maybe go mark their ball for them. There's an athlete who's in trouble for cheating. We'll get to that uh, coming up. Uh, but first, uh, Lance joins us here at ARUP. Lance, uh, you need blood. Yeah, we need a lot of it. And so we've had a lot of great listeners coming down. We need way more. Please keep coming down. I know you're busy, but we're getting folks through really, really quick. So if you don't have a lot of time, you can make it in and out. You just make a big difference. Uh, yesterday we had a, a lady come in and donate, and she said, you know, I've my son uh, had cancer, passed away, and she's like, when I come and donate, it makes me feel like, I can help somebody else who's going through a tough situation. And that's what we do. When you come to ARUP, you're helping out somebody who's going through probably the worst situation of their life. You give hope to the patient. 
to their family and to the relatives and everybody else. Sometimes as a brand new newborn baby, we get a list every day and sometimes that's who's on there and you're helping them out or a teenager that's going through something at the hospital. We have dozens of cancer patients and heart patients. And so that's who you're helping out. It's friends, families, all our blood stays here locally in Utah. We're the sole blood provider to primary children's hospital. In just a half hour, can you be a hero to somebody today? And those kids, uh, they need fresh blood, right? It needs to be, what, five days or, or yeah. newer donated? Yeah, absolutely. If uh, there's a child at Primary Children's Hospital and they're four months or younger or they're having a heart uh, procedure, all the blood that they use has to be less than five days old. Now, it takes three days to test the blood, so that means every two days we've got to have fresh set of blood of every single blood type and sometimes dozens and dozens of donations of those mm-hmm. blood types. And so we're helping out the those kids at primary children's and you're helping out the patients at huntsman cancer hospital and most days when they tell us they're just at full capacity and can't take any more people at their hospital so that's what you're doing you make such a big difference and we're open till seven o'clock we have extended our hours today at our sandy donor center which is at 9786 south 500 west if you come in before seven o'clock tonight every single blood donor gets a ten dollar megaplex gift card and a five dollar subway card all right nice Uh, give us the address one more time. Yeah, so we're in Sandy, just west of the freeway, the less busy side of the freeway. 9786 South, 500 West. You can take 90th South and head south, or 106 and head north to the giant American flag. We'll get you in and out and help us save a life. Come see Lance. We've also got uh, free jazz gear here. we got T-shirts and hats and all kinds of good stuff. So come down and see us. Welcome in. It is the big show. Britton Johnson is sitting in for Jake. I'm Gordon. Austin is producing. And uh, we're down here at ARUP. Come on down. Donate blood. We've got jazz gear here for you. He's got Megaplex uh, movie passes for you. If you donate, they're in dire need uh, as we speak. So come on down. Be a hero. Uh, And I, I really mean that. That, that's what these folks are doing, man. They're saving people's lives, so that's pretty cool. Absolutely. And it's awfully fun to meet some of our listeners. So come on down and see us. Only takes, uh, I think, less than half an hour. So, uh, Britton, uh, I've been wanting to talk about this story for a couple of days now. Uh, my good friend David Wharton of the L.A. Times, who we've had on our show as a guest, he reported this story of a, a 70-year-old runner who was in the L.A. Marathon, and he ran it in like two minutes, 53, two hours, 53 minutes. He broke the age group record. But now it is he is thought to have cheated. Apparently, business surveillance cameras show him leaving the race course. He says he was looking for a bathroom. But... He showed up on the course further on down the line, and uh, not only that, but some people suspect that he had another runner wear his number for a while, subbing in for him to cover some of the race course <laughs> and over sections. 
And uh, so he's, uh, he's being stripped of his record down there. Now, I guess a general question. Let me start with a general question. Why do people cheat? Oh, man, just I think it's it's the source of their of their life to be able to tell people like that they did something, something that they did. They're they're already thinking of events in advance, a barbecue, a family event, a Thanksgiving dinner. And they're ready to tell people I got this. And that's their way of of getting attention. Right. When that person probably needs to have someone put their arm around him and just say, Hey, why don't you go to those parties and just listen to other people? You mean they're, they're looking for their next opportunity to one up someone. Is that what you're saying? They're looking for their opportunity to one up somebody. And and you know what these people do? It's like, Hey, you know what? Maybe you should just try to like train work harder at training than hard. And instead of working so hard at cheating, that's a good story. I don't think I can top that. (laughs) No, no. I've been with, I've been with, you know, I've been in jobs where, Literally, uh, the the manager that's like you know over over a group of salespeople, they're like, man, if you guys would work as hard as you do at cheating in, in your job, we'd actually like close some business, you know, like cheating their numbers or cheating what they're reporting that they're actually doing. They're not, and they get caught. And it's like, so this, to this guy, it's like, man, he's obviously he's probably figured out patterns and you know, because he's done this, he's done, he's done it multiple times. Yeah. And, so it's and, a self-esteem issue then? I'm sure he just needs, I mean, like with guys that cheat in golfing too, it's like, I, why? I, I stink at golfing and I'm just like, you know what? I, I stink. I'm good. I'm good to stink. Like, I, I want to get better. <laughs> I want to get better at it, but it's like, I just don't know that I would ever cheat to get better at it. You know, I'm just I so loopy. I talk at golf and I get loopy. And my brother Jeff's mad at me because I forget like what stroke I'm on. I'm like, I promise you, I'm not here to cheat. If you want to add two more strokes onto my score, please do. Well, that might be even worse. The, ca- the casual, nonchalant guy who doesn't keep score when he's It's not every hole, to. but it's a lot of holes. Really? It's, uh, yeah. You just lose track? In fact, I think Jeff keeps track of my strokes for me now. Does. What are you out so there to have fun? This is a competition. Because <laughs> he gets so mad that I'm like never keeping track. So, but this guy, I mean, he's like, come on, man, what's going on? It's just, I, was, I was talking to someone the other day. I they, enjoy looking they, at myself in the mirror, knowing I, I I've done a few things right in life. Okay, all right. So it's this worth it. The honest, uh, the honest way is is worth saying, it. For I got to look in the mirror and see, like you know. The guy in the Bible in return what, know, that what, we all, that what, we all what, talk about. What, 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 but I but I do want to look in the mirror. Wow, and like, that accelerated. You, I see more to, Britain Johnson than I'm, Brother Johnson. Is it? <laughs> I do want to look in the mirror and feel somewhat good about myself. I just don't uh, know how these guys do that. Okay, There's all a right. Drop. So the guy the guy who really uh, he hits his drive into the next fairway and then you don't see him until he comes around the green. I have a friend who plays golf. The guy does that all the time. He says. <laughs> and uh, he said he gets. He's next thing you know, he's on the green putt, and he said, "What's your score?" He says four. And he said, "Wait a minute, no. how do you do that?" You don't want to necessarily call guys when they're cheating like this, but yeah. at some point, especially if you're playing for a little something, a few skittles, and you don't want to deal with that. I played golf with a guy for a long time who was super honest. He never cheated, okay. never. Wouldn't even improve his lie. If if he was uh, a, uh, an inch into the rough, no kicking it into the the short uh, the short fairway, nothing like that. Yeah. And that was a good influence on me. It really kind of removed the temptation to do that. Although now I don't really care so much, so now I'd probably be more likely to cheat again. <laughs> Unless if I was if I was really competing against somebody, there's no way I would cheat. 
No. Yeah. No, I mean, if you're playing for burgers I, or money. <laughs> I don't know a big I'm not going to cheat. You know, I, I mean, honestly, I kind of feel like this goes along the line of what makes someone a narcissist. Because I've, I've been around people in my life that are narcissists. And you're just like, why are you that way? No one likes you. You talk about yourself all the time. You're, you're the guy that never asks questions about me or my family or, or anybody. When I'm Gordon matter, and It's just like Gordon, oh, Gordon's whoa, not a narcissist. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Gordon likes him some Gordon, but just kind of like how Rudy likes him some Rudy. You're still a good guy. But I've been around people, and you're like. I have a nice car. You know, man. <laughs> just or, or you see those people on social media, and they're like, they feel like you know, they, everything has to be about them. and. The people are always bragging about their vacations and about their fun going. You know, I don't mind when people, up. yeah, when people post about vacations, it's about their family. I think it's fun and fine. I mean, I think it's great to see what people are up to. But then there's just some where you know it's like I just don't you know who I, I am. I wish there was a. You know how you get to hit those little buttons like it's a thumbs up or a, or a ha ha or a like. I wish there was a button I could push where it's like I see what you're doing here. <laughs> you know what I mean? That'd be awesome. Just to but let them know that anonymous. you know what they're up to. Yes. Why can't Facebook or I don't have Instagram, but I imagine you can do this on Instagram, but I have Twitter. It's expensive being they, rich. Why don't they create a button where I just can hit it, and it's like, they know it's like, you're annoying. You're, this is like, but, but then it doesn't, they, know, they don't know it's coming from me. I think that'd be awesome. Oh, like so I, you want to take uh, like I see blind you shots at people without them being able <sighs> yeah, to figure I don't out know. who you are. I just want to be like, I see you working here. I yeah. see what you're doing. Austin, have you ever known a cheater? Uh, I had a buddy in high school who... Uh, Straight copied one of our uh, other buddies' papers. La- the teacher allowed us to work together as a, like a twelve-page paper we had to write, and they said mm-hmm. the teacher said, "Go ahead and work together, research. If you want to research this subject, and they research that, and then you share notes and then write it that way. Go ahead." Well, this buddy, uh, the the first guy wrote uh, something like I don't know, it was it was AP history. I think it was like communism is a tricky business or something stupid, and and the other guy wrote. Communism is the business of trickiness, and just did the whole paper that way. Every sentence, he just yoded the paper, and of course got caught cheating. But yeah, a buddy of mine that was that did that. Have you ever known Brit, Brit a guy I to, to cheat? Uh, I've, uh, I don't think I've ever cheated in my life. Something probably. wasn't there something with the zone bracket challenge a couple years ago, Gordon, where you uh, claimed that they had doctored your your uh, bracket and it was misrepresenting what you had actually chosen. Yeah, and that was that was proven to be true. The problem is that yeah. he ended up having a better bracket than me, so I flip flopped back. Ah, again. And then is that honest? No, probably not. Uh. But uh, no, I mean, if you if, if if the stakes are high and you're willing to cheat, uh, Britt, I think you're onto something there. That there needs to be some examine self examination. I think so. Think about what the motivation is. Why I, again? Doing I that. don't get why somebody would just want to. Do that. There's obviously a lack of self-esteem in that person's life, and then who knows why they, there's that. There could be scars from, I mean, you know, childhood and stuff where they feel like they have to prove themselves. So the irony of the whole uh, thing is it backfires. Cheat, like this yeah. guy now, do you think he's in a bad way? Everybody knows he, he cheated, or le- allegedly, and uh, the suspicion is there. And just like you were talking about, sometimes – we say things, we do things, we cheat at things. Why? Because we want to be more highly thought of, but ultimately yeah. it backfires on you and it, it, it doesn't work. I'll tell you what ticks me off about cheaters is that the guys that had to finish behind them, 
right? I mean, uh, you know, I look at Dell Murphy, the guy, he, he never touched steroids, and he's got all these other people going to the Hall of Fame, knocking more yeah. balls out of the park than he did, and, and he was clean as a whistle. Um, Great example. I think uh, you look at Dell or, or, or Lance Armstrong, the people that finished behind him, it's just, you know, and, and I'm going to assume that there was people in the NBA when I was there that uh, – we're, we're doing things to, to make them faster, bigger, stronger. So, yeah, I mean, but you could spend your whole life being mad at cheaters. They're gonna, cheaters are going to be everywhere. I just I appreciate when they get caught. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm happy when they get caught. All right. All right. Uh, you take pleasure in other people's pain. Yeah, they, because they're, they're idiots. They're not good people for cheating. And, I and if my I cheat, I hope I <laughs> Wait a, a minute. Funny drop. Wait a minute. I hope if I one? cheat, I get caught. What was she cheating at? I, that's your voice. You have to tell the story. I don't <laughs> I know. My w- Wait a minute. I caught my wife cheating once. That must have wow. been. Uh, You're in trouble. Better, I think we better go to break. <laughs> I, I don't think that came out the way I meant it. It must have been playing cards or, or parties or, uh, you know, like a board game or something. It has to be. I would like to. And I, I think like, there's a lot of our listeners out there who don't like cheaters either. <laughs> All right. I've met the wonderful Lisa, and, and, and she loves her some Gordon. So there's she, no way. It's a, the cheating that everyone's assuming that. She's, she's a wonderful person. Wonderful. Hey, I, we, we ran into each other at dinner the other day, huh? Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we should have just pushed our tables together and had dinner together well, with our fun. friends that we didn't know. Yeah, that's okay. It would have been fine. All right, coming, wouldn't have liked coming up next, we have the Not Sports Report. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss it. This is DJ and PK. I'm telling you here, man, the Jazz made such a heist these last few weeks that Zanuck, Lindsey, David Morway, forget about Daryl Morey, I got David Morway, and Jay-Z and Lindsey, they made such a heist that their mugs are in the post office for Most Wanted because they've ripped off the NBA. How's that for a hell of a line right there? Rick Riley, eat your heart out. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now, your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is the big show. Britton Johnson sitting in for Jake Scott. We're down here at ARUP. Come on down and donate blood. They are in need. We have jazz gear to give away. We have T-shirts and hats and all kinds of good stuff. And it is uh, is that time of uh, the show for the Not Sports Report, Britain. Oh uh, and uh, that actually has a sponsor. Austin, you want to tell uh, our listeners who uh, 
foots the bill for this. As always, they deserve better than we give them, but the Not Sports Report is brought to you by LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online at lhmusedcars.com. Au contraire. They get exactly what they want off the Not Sports Report. It really is. It's taken the, our listenership by storm, Brent. I don't know why people like Austin complain about it. I mean, it's just, it's just sort of weird. But I but. think it gives them a break. But for those who want to listen, hold on to you guys for three hours or even an hour, it just kind of uh, breaks up the monotony. I get people who right? yell at or saying, stop me on the street, saying, love the not sports now, see, report. See, it's not yeah. the idea of the not sports report. It's the execution. No, they say they for. love the not sports <laughs> that report. I don't care That's for. what they're <laughs> saying to me. We love it. Keep it coming. Don't listen to Austin. So you, so, Chester, and PK, is you that who you're tell, talking to? Here's my question. Do you tell people your source for these stories, or do you just find these? I just find this stuff. <laughs> but uh, old, old Google, huh? Yeah, yeah. find it online. Uh, most of it. Do people send None you, of it's you personal. You know what? It would be great is if people would send you stories. For not sports before. Oh, yeah. yeah well, that, you get that? They're welcome to do that anytime. Has anyone ever done he that? He won't read them. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I do. Maybe people should send them to Austin so that Austin could read them and then give you a break in your research. Okay. Yeah, that's uh. fine, too. I'm willing. I'm all ears, man. If you have a, a wacky, wild story, then bring it to us. I will accept it from any corner of the world. All right. Two things real quick. Do you like the live action uh, Disney cartoon uh, movies. Like Lion King? Yeah, the that's, that's coming out. out and they had, they just did uh, well, Aladdin, Aladdin yeah. and they've done, what else have they done? Beauty and the Beast, Maleficent. The Beast. Yeah, they, uh, you like Cinderella. Those? If my kids like them, I'll like them. Okay. Like, I'm not going to like. search uh, any of live action Disney movies, by all means, to go f- watch one. Well, The Little Mermaid is the next one that's coming out, I guess. I'm, well, They're going to do a well, Or okay. it's being made, and uh, oh, an actress by the name of Halle Bailey not is going to play. No, not Halle Berry. Halle Bailey is okay. going to play the part of The Little Mermaid. What do you, what do you make of that, Mr. Movie? Uh, I had to Google her when you told me that. I'd, I've never heard of her. I've never heard any of her music. I guess she's a singer and now an actress. And when you say play the, the part, you mean her voice. Sorry, Austin. No, no. no, no. This she's, is she's, this is live action. It's live. It's not. So they adapt the cartoon to a yeah. live CGI with live actors and actresses. Okay, so Lion King and and uh, I, Lion King and Jungle Book are a little different because they're, they're different. still animals, computer generated animals. That's what yeah. CGI means. But uh, this is like Dumbo and Beauty and the Beast yes, and Aladdin. These are Dumbo. actual live people doing the okay. portrayals. Gotcha. I, the I've liked love, them the kids, so far. The kids love this stuff. Yeah, I really do. Well, so. I think in my kids absolutely they, they love it as well. So yeah. it's just different, right? I'm That's sure right. when we were little kids going to movies, our parents were like, "This is weird. We well, wanted we want black and white." Real quick, uh, just uh, to make this worth it, <laughs> excuse me, everybody's time. There's a tortilla shortage, known as tortilla apocalypse. That is plaguing Taco Bell right now. They've had to temporarily remove burritos, quesadillas, and crunch wraps from their menu. So, Taco Bell can't make tacos, essentially. Uh-oh. This is a crisis. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean for isn't those that, who love Taco Bell, I, f- I feel for them, I But guess. isn't that a little bit like McDonald's running out of hamburger meat? Yeah. Yeah, I would say you've... 
chosen two restaurants on the same level playing field. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> by, I mean all, by all means. The, 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 this, this sign was seen at a Taco Bell. It says, due to an unforeseen warehouse shortage, we are temporarily unable to make burritos and quesadillas. We do apologize. Huh. Yeah, I, mean, I find I think that fascinating. You know what, I mean, though? Re- like, really fascinating? Yes. How do you run out of tacos at Taco Bell? Fascinating is a fancy well, for word for all those for people that. that are going to Taco Bell nonstop, maybe they should just cook at home something more healthy. Take care okay. of themselves a little bit. Mom. Are tacos and quesadillas not healthy? I mean, listen, I hit Taco Bell every once in a while. I'm not saying, yeah, but I, but I fully recognize I'm about to make a bad decision for my body. So it's like maybe this is a good thing for a lot of people. Isn't that like a hot dog stand running out of hot dog meat? I guess. I mean, you can keep coming up with all the analogies you want. I'm just saying I'm taking a different stance that maybe this is a good thing for a lot of people out there. Taco Bell shareholders, I apologize for you. I'm sorry. You know, if... How can Taco Bell run out of of tortillas for burritos and quesadillas? I don't know. Do you feel like, like that's like an NBA team running out of basketballs? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, almost uh, just unimaginable. Or, yeah. or you running out of analogies. See, this is this is what I mean by <laughs> the quality of the nuts. <laughs> I'm trying to help you here, Austin. What, I mean, Austin, wait, wait, I'm doing everything here. I can. Hold on here. If, Austin, I feel like I'm like. If Taco Bell runs out of tacos, then you just have to, have to call it Bell. Oh, my gosh. Now I know what you're. Which brings us all now I know what your co-hosts of the last we gotta go to 15 break. years we're, we're, have been talking but, about. But this it whole brings time. us all the way back to the beauty oh of the uh, the, the, uh, the the cartoon movies made in the real uh, you know, like, Beauty and the Beast. No Bell, just Bell. I feel like right. my soul and Jake Scott's soul just became closer <laughs> after right. that story. Uh, we will. Uh, We'll be back in a minute. We have uh, we have David Locke that will join us, and we'll talk some real jazz basketball coming up. But uh, in the meantime, Lance, we go from a ridiculous story to uh, a very important one, and you're trying to get blood down here so that you can save people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. We need over 100 donors every single day to come in and donate blood. And around the holidays, it usually we need more because we see more traumas come into our hospitals. We Back in the day, we used to get one to two serious traumas every week. Now it's one to two every single day. We had one of those our most serious we've seen this year. Yesterday, we had one patient use 173 units of blood. That wiped out all our O positive right wow. before the holiday. And so we really need all blood types, but especially the O's. O positive, O negative. If you're one of those, we really need your help right now. And for those who come down before by 7 o'clock, they get some extra treats. Yeah, absolutely. If you can help us out, we'll help you out as well. I, we've had a lot of couples come in today, and the reason is we're giving everybody a $10 Megaplex gift card and $5 Subway card. So come and donate blood. Help us save lives around the holiday for the folks who are unfortunately going to spend their holiday in the hospital. And we'll give you those gift cards. We're at 9786 South. 500 West in Sandy. That's just west of the freeway in Sandy. We're open until 7 o'clock tonight. So bring everybody you can and come on down and uh, help us save lives right before the 4th of July. Thanks, Lance. And also we have jazz gear down here. We can give you T-shirts and hats, et cetera, et cetera. Come on down and see us. Look at that jazz camo hat. Man, that's cool. You're going hunting anytime soon. Good stuff. Good stuff. That's, That's a good one for your head. David Locke coming up next.